Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mindful Teen. I am here with my dear friend, Ben. Yo, Hi. I'm Ben. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Today, we are going to be talking about failure and procrastination, which are really massive, broad topics. Um, so ironically, this was the episode I was most averse to recording because it's taken me so long to come to terms with oh wow this isn't a these aren't issues we can directly address and give you like tips to fix it you know procrastination is human nature so we can't just get rid of it procrastination and failure aren't new issues they've been around for a long time they're facts of life and yeah so First, we will talk a bit about our own experiences with procrastination, which shouldn't be hard. We all do it. So, yep, let's get right into it. Ben, would you like to start? I am entirely capable of starting if that's what you want. I would love it if you did. Yes. All right. Excellent. So overall, we all know what procrastination is. It's basically the act of putting off, of actively putting off something or sometimes even inactively putting off something that we know we need to do. Mm-hmm. Now, if you are a student or have ever been a student, which I'm assuming all of you are, yeah. um, you have all faced with the, fr- the story of going to a class, let's say, for instance, math class, everyone's favorite subject or reading. Yes. Two, two classes that take a lot of out, out of you. Um, for my example... I have been through a lot of classes in my life and all of them I've experienced procrastination. I'll go into a class, especially if you know this, you'll be given homework or let's say a big project or a study for a test. And when you're in the class, you'll tell yourself, oh, I'll do this tonight. And you'll set a time. Mm-hmm. But when you get home or let's say it's at the beginning of the day, throughout the rest of that day, you forget about it because there's other things that come up, other homework, other assignments, more tests to study for. Yes. And you'll basically have to figure out which one is more important or forget about all of them like we all Mm. have done. (laughs) But when you get home, you'll, let's say four hours after the time you allotted, remember it. But at that point, it's too late to do it. Certainly. And that's a broad example another less broad example more niche example for me um right now i'm trying to storyboard a book i'm writing it's a novel fantasy and i'm attempting to story storyboard that Mm -hmm. but i have been putting it off for almost two years now (laughs) i tried writing the first chapter without storyboarding it realized that that wasn't going to work so i decided oh i'll start taking some classes on it and figure out how i can not do that Mm -hmm. um that worked for around a week (laughs) and then i forgot about (laughs) it i am not good with remembering things um another thing that i've dealt with also when i did this project last year i did it on how our diet affects climate change and how it how changing our diet to a more at least one day of the week being plant-based so having a meatless monday or something i was just what we had at our school last year was meatless monday that was something i looked into and wanted to do but i was supposed to make posters i meant to make them i actually did make them in canva i just forgot them i just forgot to print them (laughs) wait so did you end up not having any or what 
No, I, I only had my capstone poster, the one that we put on the that she has like has on the wall of yours. Right. Yeah, yeah. I only had that one. I made the other ones in Canva, but I forgot to send them to her by the deadline. <gasps> oh my god. <laughs> so I completely procrastinated that project. I still passed, but I'm not happy with how I passed. Right. So in and summary, Ben has large experience with this. <laughs> fun time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, Michaela, what are your so, experiences? Uh, it's really interesting. I I mean, I went to, I, I can't, I always find some way of mentioning this, but my, the, the school I went to before was really rigorous. Um, and I had lots of homework, multiple classes I was dealing with 24-7, homework in each class every night. And I used to be really awful at, at, doing those assignments. I would always do them at the very last second. And I, I think it really came down to one of the, we'll talk guys, we'll, we'll talk about the underlying causes of procrastination certainly later, but I think the main reason I procrastinated so hard was because I didn't see the value or I didn't care enough about the education that I was getting. And I kept, I kept good grades and stuff. I didn't, you know, I wasn't one of those people who wanted to throw away my education, but I certainly didn't see the value in it, if, if that makes any sense. Yeah, that does. I, um, that also is something that happened to me. But now I, I actually want to learn and retain the stuff that I'm being taught. And also the way I've, I've come to begin working on like schoolwork and stuff has changed a ton. I have like this, really strong sense of sense of trust in myself. So I, I plan a lot more. And like, for instance, my capstone research paper, I got it done a week early. Nice. So I'm not I wasn't, I've come to a point where I don't leave room for failure. And it's really interesting to see the extreme change in that. But yeah, I have a feeling there is going to be some downsides, downsides upcoming soon with the way I'm behaving with that stuff. But yeah, transition. Yeah. <laughs> so, adding on to that, yeah. um, when you said, what was it? What you said? You know, that's annoying. <laughs> what you just said. Um, me, me preparing. To, yeah, to you were point. talking about um consequences of that. Oh, right. Um, yeah, yeah. Bit of an off topic, but when it comes to consequences that I've noticed in my own life is when I focus too much on a task, I wouldn't leave myself enough room for, as you said a couple of weeks ago, you didn't, you weren't leaving yourself room to have fun in life. You weren't leaving yourself room to enjoy things. You were focusing almost entirely on school. Right. That's something that also happened to me. And that's something that can happen when you focus entirely on school or another task. Yeah. However, the flip side of that is if you don't focus on those tasks enough, you can be left behind and you can not get them done. And that can cause you to fail, which then can be a compounding circuit circuit of just continuous failure until you can either break the loop or well not. Mm. Personal story with me is I actually lost a friend due to that. He entirely didn't care about school and eventually this he broke himself and he just didn't go to school. He completely dropped out. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. yeah. I completely lost him. I tried reaching out multiple times and he just didn't want to reconnect or fix it. So mm-hmm. eventually I had to realize, and this sucks, but I had to realize that 
I hadn't failed him, but it wasn't something that I could control. Now that is obviously a bit of topic, but yeah, no, that that relates perfectly. Yeah. So facts of life. <laughs> facts of failure. Like I said at the beginning, failure is a fact of life. The key is to is how you view failure. If you view if you view view if you view failure in a negative way like wow this reflects really negatively on my own self-character and how how intelligent I am maybe or how applied I am if you make a mistake and that's automatically the stuff you're thinking of that it reflects negatively on those aspects of your personality that's not the healthy way that you need to be looking at failure and you know that goes with with relationships with schoolwork with having job like if you don't score a cool interview and you know it works that applies to everything but you also have to learn from each situation that you have a failure make sure to retain that and instead of becoming really embarrassed by it and burying it really deep I encourage everyone to use it as an example of oh my gosh I just thought let me just I just thought of a really funny example that I haven't told anyone um just use it as an example of what not to do you know there's no embarrassment there should be no embarrassment with making a mistake but anyway wait before you go into anything that you're talking about let me just tell you there was this one time my mom and I drove to the beach and I, I still had my permit at the time and it was a state owned park. So you have to pay. You can't just use your, your pass. Yeah. And we went to the booth and I drove up to the booth and he, like the guy in there was pretty cute. So I was like, Ooh, I'm going to show off my driving skills. <laughs> so I, I had to get out of the car to hand him the cash but I forgot to put the vehicle in park. So I took one leg out and opened the door. It kept moving. The car kept moving. And my mom had to grab the emergency brake and stop the car before it hit the pole in front of us. Um, So in summary, um, that was really, really traumatic and embarrassing and a huge failure. And the guy took it really well. He was like, wow, nice. <laughs> but anyway, um, I was really embarrassed about it for the next couple of days. But then after that, I realized, wow, well, now I am never going to forget to put my car in, in park, you know. Uh, so that was fun. <laughs> Do you have any embarrassing experiences like that? Or is that just me? I do have some, but I wanted to add on to what you said earlier about Mm -hmm. how it is a fact of life. That is correct. However, one way to look at it, as um, our teacher, Mr. Gronster, has told me to look at it, is don't view failure as, well, failure. If you make a mistake or fail at a task, look at it as a way to learn from that. As you said, you will never do that again. It's because you took that experience and you learned from it. Mm. Mistakes as he told me, mistakes are the way we learn. If we don't make if you if you never make a mistake in your life, if you always scored first first place, you would never learn from those mm-hmm. experiences. You would just keep thinking that you're the greatest. Right. However, 
if you fail like everyone and acknowledge those failures and learn from them, then you can understand, well, for one more who you are and figure out how to better make decisions and also how to possibly avoid such failures. However, looking at it as like a horrible thing isn't a good idea. Look at it as just a horrible thing. It's going to happen. Attempting to avoid it could, could cause more problems. I use the word True. could there because it might not. But more right. than likely, in my own experiences, it will. But again, that's my own experiences. So Ooh, that, that, that relates directly with what I was talking about earlier about how I... I've come to a point with at least my schoolwork where I don't really leave room for failure because I prepare so much ahead of time. So I know I'll get that good grade. And yeah, that's perfect. I'm a bit nervous about that to see, you know, like imagine if I compiled a ton of research for or like a thesis paper in college and all of it deleted itself or something. You know? That's actually why my old teacher from KCTC, he told me, if you don't have a minimum of five backups of a thing, like let's say a research paper, <laughs> you don't have that research paper because it will be deleted eventually. So yeah. he always told me, have a minimum of five or more backups. That, that doesn't insane. mean that doesn't mean on the same computer. That means on multiple flash drives and hard drives and mm -hmm. external drives and the cloud and so on. Because if you don't have that saved somewhere, you are going to be screwed. He also said that you can also take it and send it to someone else, have that else as a backup. So their computer is now a backup as well. Ooh, yeah. I, I was just thinking there is the extreme also of preparing too much to where it's like compulsive, yep. like OCD. I could see procrastination, as we'll get into, has root causes, like fear of failure, fear of... Uh, specific thing but it cultivates anxiety so I could see someone who prepares to avoid failure so much and intense that it causes anxiety in itself so either way there's the extreme of preparing for it too much or not being um, prepared enough yeah yes and those are both extremes mm -hmm. and as a lot of things failure and procrastination are a spectrum there are there is again being prepared too much there's being prepared too little what mm. you need to be at in your life as the person listening to this you need to be at a middle ground between the two yes. being too prepared can cause problems being underprepared can also cause problems so being at a middle ground leading towards one or the other is better like i am more towards the unprepared side i lean more towards that i'm at mm -hmm. the middle but i'm more towards unprepared because that's just what i do i don't mm -hmm. prepare for things and i would assume michaela you're probably more in if i had to assume you're more towards the more over prepared side if i had to guess definitely yeah i think it might i think it has to do with like past trauma because of uh that appendicitis i had three years ago where nothing could have prepared me for you know one day waking up and bleeding out yeah that's definitely connected to pg it's definitely ptsd driven um, one thing that my therapist talked to me about when i told him about the accident i had when i was in the hospital for two months mm -hmm. i and my dad both blamed ourselves for that we saw it as a failure as a way that we failed but my mm -hmm. therapist told me you couldn't have controlled that because again yeah. i was as he told me i was 10 there was really nothing i could have done yeah. 
And at the time, I saw it as something I did wrong. And then I saw this thing my dad did wrong. Now I look at it as it happened. It shaped who I am. So to a certain extent, it actually was beneficial. So if that hadn't happened, I would not be who I am today. So to a right. certain extent, that failure is a good thing. True. True. Very true. And that that's a way to look at failure through, as we're going to talk about later, mindfulness. Looking at it as not something that is detriment because a lot of times it's actually something that you need to happen again Mm -hmm. to learn or to grow as a person it isn't always good but it can be so don't look at it as an overly negative thing so i think we should definitely get into some background research here there's as all of you could probably assume there's a lot of research that backs procrastination because it's such a widely known topic 95 percent of of people procrastinate and the five percent that don't procrastinate are probably lying <laughs> or children <laughs> or ch- or children yes um but tim cycle ps or no tim cycle p-y-c-h-y-l he in during his research he identified a set of about seven triggers that make a task seem more averse meaning seven triggers that make us procrastinate so listeners, I encourage you to listen closely to this part. So maybe it, if it, maybe it relates directly to something you are currently procrastinating with. What you're working on is boring. It's frustrating. It's difficult, ambiguous, unstructured, or not intrinsically rewarding. So you don't find it fun or lacking in personal meaning. I think all of these definitely I have faced, at least with um, the work I did at the old school, because now I've chosen topics for classes that I actually want to learn about and that are interesting to me and not necessarily easy. Like the frustrating part, if, if if a topic is frustrating or difficult to comprehend, I could see that being an issue, but I usually just drop that class or something if I find it that difficult because there's no way I'm going to go do cellular biology if I have no idea how to understand it in the first place. I feel like I'm being called out for my love of biology. (laughs) Oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) For me, on the other side of that spectrum, if I find something really difficult, like how I found um, Algebra 2 difficult to start, or actually Algebra, then I'll into Algebra Mm 2, when I took those classes, I found them to a certain extent, very difficult. But the moment I actually got into Chronister's class, it was like a window had opened. It was a way that I could learn it and actually understand it. Through that, I persevered. And now I honestly love math. Mm-hmm. Same thing with biology. I was terrible at it at one time, but then I got into Mr. Barrett's class and I learned to love it. And same thing with reading and writing. I used to hate all of those. But then when I got into the right environment and the right teacher, I loved it. Like, as you probably know, Miss Gates. When I had her class, I hated reading before that. But when I got into her class, I was like, "This she makes it fun. She makes me want to learn. Oh, yeah. That's how it was for um, history for me because I did AP US history last year. And oh. that, that's why I want to go into history now because, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> because Mr. Hunter came through and actually made it engaging. Which we could totally get into like how ridiculous the school system is with certain 
my gosh. We don't we have could, time for that. Though. We don't have time for that. But <laughs> I would love. I would love to, but we do not have time. <laughs> just so all of you know, history is not just memorizing dates. Okay, it is so much more than that. Yes. And I will get definitely triggered if anybody asks me that in the future. <laughs> Back to the topic at hand. One thing about um, when it comes to a topic that you were bad at or that you don't understand, it is entirely, and this actually can lead to procrastination when the environment that you're in isn't interesting. Like if let's say the classroom is dull or something like that, it leads into it being boring or frustrating because no one is there helping or you don't have anything there to understand it. It can make the task seem more daunting than it actually is. Like with, let's say again, algebra learning that and then going into the fact that it is difficult but it's a lot less difficult than people realize because it entirely has to do with you as a person but it also has to do with the setting that you're in because if people don't realize this but the setting that you're in especially if it's your room or the classroom very much dictates how you will do a task mm-hmm. that's why a lot of people especially my therapist recommend especially especially therapists actually will recommend you going to a quiet dark area a more set off area so let's say mm-hmm. for instance Michaela your closet <laughs> that you use <laughs> any area that's out of the way or you people won't go to it's very helpful I've actually heard of people who are younger they'll use cupboards or something like that as a way to they'll sit in there as a way to do something without being interrupted oh, or like, like a Christmas story yeah being like on, on, in their in their closet or under their bed or something like that it helps them with it because it's for one the confined space makes them focus on it because there's no distractions mm-hmm. but it also allows them to more so get a feel for the material because they're comfortable like i like you said earlier that you're more nervous here that might have that might be a reason because you're more used to the confinedness of the closet <laughs> true yes that made me when you brought up um when what I brought I, up what I was just thinking <laughs> that this reminded me of something. So I feel like along with I already we already talked about this in the in the scientific study that we just cited earlier, but a lot of procrastination has to do with short-term reward and long-term reward. Wait, do you think that was already don't laugh at me? Do you no, think that was I, I have things to add? <laughs> oh, okay. So when it comes to short-term and long-term gains with procrastination, so let's say with the class, again, I'll bring up mathematics. You mm-hmm. do not see the intrinsic value of it right now. You don't see how it's important right now. Right. However, in the long-term, it actually can be very important when it comes to, let's say, doing your taxes yes. or being in line at a grocery store, figuring out how much you need to pay. Obviously, with electronic paying, that doesn't matter as much anymore, but it mm-hmm. still can, especially when it comes to tipping or other things along those lines it's just it's how you look at a subject and i forgot what i was saying i'm gonna let you talk (laughs) no 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 that's that's really no 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 that was perfect so i was thinking i whenever i'm engaging in like history class i think a lot about how ridiculously out there the U.S. is in comparison to the rest of the world and I think I mean probably if I if I looked up some statistics right now I could probably find that we are the most procrastinating country because 
all of our our culture is centered around like materialistic short-term pleasure when the long-term is more important and that's what other countries are focusing on. Like if I see less value in passing an exam for a class, I'm ignoring the long-term reward, which is I get to pass that class. I get to retain that knowledge and take it on. I get to have one less topic, one less class to worry about in the future in college. People often display a present bias when they choose to engage in certain activities that reward him in the long term at the expense of, say, working on tasks that would lead to better outcomes for them in the long term. So, oh, and adding to the adding to the scientific study we cited earlier with Tim Cycle, uh, another reason for procrastination may be to make sh- like eliminate any form of unhappiness we might experience while we're doing the task. Say I have to go take out the trash for my job. Um, I'm the person that has to go take the trash out, but I procrastinate because I don't want to do it. Maybe the root cause is at least it's, it's short-term unhappiness. I don't want to cause any unhappiness by taking out that trash. So procrastination is basically a way of reassuring ourselves we don't we don't have to face that unhappiness we could also procrastinate when we're confused by the complexity of the task like that's how it was for me in chemistry uh two years ago (laughs) or even when we're really distracted or tired a lot of integrated factors are at play when someone was procrastinating say like Ben did earlier, he filed for taxes. Say I get home from work and I have to file for taxes, but I'm really, 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 really tired. And I heard some really bad news is happening in the family. Like the distractions, the outside distractions, along with how you're feeling inside. So like Ben was talking about earlier, having the right environment is really key in helping with procrastination. If you don't have a calm inner environment and an outer environment, you're at higher risk for ignoring and putting off things that are important. And that ties into escapism. But if you want to learn more about that, please refer to the episode with Tristan Kelm, which I posted a little while back. Having to do specifically with failure, here's a couple tips that I've compiled either through personal experience or I usually read a lot of mindful magazines. Some of these are directly from those sources. I believe I did mention this earlier when Ben and I were talking about there's a spectrum of procrastination or where you put it off too much or you over prepare for something. You should really be focusing on what you can control and not Focus on what you can control. If not, don't do not focus on what you can't control. Don't don't overly focus on things that are out of your control. Focus on what you're able to influence and change. Yes. You can't change what time of day it is, but you can change how early you start on a project. Yeah. Also, stop fearing failure. As Jack Canfield once said, everything you want is on the other side of fear. 
that relates to an underlying cause of procrastination. If you fear failure, you need to first identify what causes that fear. Yes. And then work on that, work on what causes your fear in a healthy environment, like with mindfulness. Mm -hmm. Also, listeners, please believe in, try to believe in yourself when you are, say, planning something or working on something. Believe in yourself and your abilities. If you apply yourself in the right manner, you can accomplish a lot more. And if not, create a plan B, just like how I overprepared for my research paper back in October. There is a good healthy balance between preparing and leaving other things to chance, really. (laughs) Yeah, and also... Set mini goals. So I recently identified some things that I want to get better at, like really small, like habitual things. I want to start like flossing daily. I do floss. Keep in mind, I I have good hygiene, but I didn't floss enough before. And now just by reminding myself or say putting a box of floss like right in front of my dresser where I look every day. Just by doing that, I've been able to floss every day. And I also, I want to start using like napkins and using napkins when I, or during while I'm eating, because all I do usually is wipe my hands on my pants. (laughs) And it's so gross. But if you finally like stop and notice and and you try to be more mindful about it, it's crazy what you can see what you subconsciously do when you're not paying attention but I've I have good success with that so far so on the topic of what you just said about mindfulness Fron, I will get into my list of stuff I'm trying to fix but on the list of that there actually are a lot of things you can do with mindfulness to help this is a tiny bit off topic but we are going to talk about this eventually I'm just going to name a few one is called ride the rush urge riding basically is what it's called when you Mm -hmm. get that urge to do something try and shift it to a different something. So when you have the urge to wipe your hands on your pants or something else, or go to sleep too early when you know you aren't supposed to, mm-hmm. try and divert the, your attention to something else. That's uh, interesting to, you know, like view, view a situation like that. Like flossing is a bit different because it's yeah. not an impulse thing. It's more of a, you know, I forget to do it thing. What, I think there was something else. Oh yeah, like, exfoliating more in the shower I have like this really long brush before I had it like in my cupboard and if I wanted to use it I would have to take it out but now I just keep it in my bath and just by seeing it just like the flossing thing just by seeing it I do it so that ties into like changing habits and procrastination uh so some things I have needed to work on is cleaning my room more in general Mm -hmm. because my room is always dirty um i just cleaned it so we're good for now but (laughs) i also need to work on a better organizing system for my room in general i also want to start trying to lift weights more often i do it not as much i want to be lifting it every other day or every day and as we said earlier starting small don't start big if you start a massive life goal you are going to fail 
And mm-hmm. I know that sounds horrible, but think about it as new year resolutions. You always say, oh, I'll do this massive thing. Do you ever do it though? You do it for maybe a week. You say, oh, I'll mm-hmm. go to the gym every single day. You yeah. don't though. And that's called the burnout effect. It's when you do something so much. And so suddenly you burn out. Mm-hmm. So let's, see, uh, let's see, you want to change your diet. So you say, oh, I'll, I won't eat meat at all. Or I won't eat snacks at all or junk food. You do that so suddenly that your body your body still craves it though because your body is still craving the sugar or whatever's in that mm-hmm. so your body craves it to the point where you can't do it that's why people always tell you to start small so let's say don't eat chips tonight something like that mm-hmm. that's not something i'm good with because i'm not good with moderation but i need to learn how to start small so with weights i've been trying to do 10 reps a day which is decent for that <laughs> mm-hmm. again that it's starting good. it's starting small Another mm-hmm. thing is more with personal hygiene, trying to do it better. I do it just not as well as I should. <laughs> right. And I've noticed by setting those mini goals, I've already began to see things I want to improve on, like with emotional health or relationships. Like I noticed I want to work more on, I talked to you about this earlier, demonstrating or showing others how much I care because I tell people I love them, you know, and that's usually the extent of it. I'm really bad at giving gifts and I want to start being more thoughtful with how I express my emotions. And by starting to take care of those little things and building off of those little things, I've had more time to think about this emotional maturing that I want to do. You know, does that make sense? Like, yeah, that does. By taking care of my basic needs more so than I did before, I'm paying more attention to the next level of of needs. What what is the hierarchy of needs that I'm talking about right now? Who who created that? Don't know. Do you want okay. to Google it? <laughs> yeah, listeners, you probably know what I'm talking about. In psychology, if in the introduction to psychology course, one of the first things they introduce is the types of psychology main branches and then Maslow's hierarchy of needs the Maslow's yes I googled it excellent and the next level is (laughs) you know what that's just mean it's not how I sound I'm not I sound worse do not so starting at the bottom we have psychological needs like air water food shelter sleep clothing and and reproduction it's a lot Shush. physiological needs psychological physiological psychological yeah 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 air water food shelter sleep clothing and, rep- and reproduction those are biological needs that you need to focus on like your need to drink sleep and other things right the next one is safety needs personal security employment resources health and property so shelter and other things like that mm-hmm. <laughs> Love and belonging, so friendship, intimacy, family, sen- and sense of connection. And esteem, which is respect, self-esteem, status, recognition, strength, and freedom. And then self-actualism, the desire to become to become the most that one can be. Mm-hmm. So making yourself, so self-betterment is at the top of that list. Okay. So it basically says you need to focus more on self. That should be the, your first priority is getting yourself better, which is actually why a lot of times people say when you get out of a bad breakup, you need to focus on yourself first. So practice self-love and mindfulness. Mm-hmm. 
rather than jumping right back into one. Because if you jump back into a relationship, you could jump back into a toxic relationship. Should we tie into how how we can procrastinate with those? Well, so on the thing of physiological needs, a lot of people like me who have insomnia, we mm-hmm. will deprive ourselves of sleep. We mm-hmm. won't be able to sleep. So we'll think, so we'll keep that cycle going. Or people have anorexia or bulimism. Not bulimism. What the hell is Bulimia. Bulimia, thank you. Mm-hmm. People who, who have difficulty eating certain foods like lactose intolerance, it'll stop you from eating overall, especially with anorexia and bulimia. Those oh. two, a lot of times, will discourage people from eating. I have a friend who actually has bulimia. She barely eats. Oh, yeah. Barely eats. She, the mm-hmm. most I've seen her eat is a sandwich. And that was after not eating for two days. <laughs> and along with that, with safety, a lot of people will deprive themselves of financial gain or a house or a car because they don't see themselves as worth it a lot of the times. And that ties into with love and belonging along with self-love and also self-esteem, which is the two ladders up. Whoa. Anything you want to add? <laughs> well, I think that makes a ton of sense. I, I've been able to... I've kept my rooms clean for like many, 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 many months, like over a year now, because I've come into a new social environment and new learning environment that I enjoy and that I feel that my self-growth and my self-betterment are worth the effort. Again, freaking environment is key in in helping with so many things. That was really <laughs> You are welcome. Why did you look at me like that? Because <laughs> I was stretching. <laughs> What's next? <laughs> ben and I would like to introduce a quick definition to you all. Resilience. What is resilience, Ben? What's your definition of resilience? Resilience, to be resilient, to be able to adapt and adapt to change and change one's environment to suit an environment that may be unhealthy or to change that environment while being strong against it. So if you're in a toxic relationship and you fear leaving that toxic relationship for fear of being abused, being able to be resilient until you can get the help you need. Like if, for example, you're in, you're part of the LGBTQ community and you feel threatened Right, right. The ability, That's at least how I see it. Yeah, I, the ability to keep going, to maintain a level of self-respect and, and boundaries too. The ability to keep going and keep trying despite the setbacks and challenges that you're, faced, that you're faced with. And failure really, really contributes to that a lot. And not even failure, just not, not just failure, like trauma, traumatic situations like you're talking about that uh, that abusive relationship and facing discrimination because of certain preferences or or skin color or ethnicity or you know my experience with the incident 3 years ago when i had appendicitis it wasn't failure it was just straight up trauma a lot of that trauma has been carried with me to now and i feel like i've <laughs> Like I've built a lot of resilience, at least when I, when I speak to doctors and nurses and stuff, I know how to hold my own. I've noticed nurses are pretty pushy. Doctors too, you know, it's, I guess that's a part of the system, but 
I had to learn how to say exactly how I feel during my recovery process from from my time in the hospital. And now I'm a really, really direct person. So interpretive language, like when someone doesn't actually answer my yes or no question with the yes or no, that's been hard for me to work with. That's kind of off topic, but yeah, those are some examples of what I've developed from trauma and being able to adapt to new knowledge that you've gained or being able to adapt to like a new situation, like being able to work under pressure would also be resilience. Right. Like being able to adapt, like Ben said, and kind of that transition to a new environment is easier and easier over time. Because as, as we've said earlier, you are going to fail, but it's how you look, it's how you fail and how you look at your failure are you going to look at it as a negative thing or are you going to look at it as a, as a way to learn? Mm-hmm. And that's what we need to do. You need to change, not, not if you're going to fail, you need to change how you look at that failure. Certainly. And we are all failures to some degree. That comes with having weak boundaries or being overprotective of certain people or certain belongings or too little compassion. There's so many ways in which all of us may lack and it is important to recognize that that isn't just it is it doesn't make you bad, it makes you human. Yes. Quote of the day. <laughs> okay. Oh, so so we also wanted to talk about um within close relationships, how does one best support the other in the midst of a failure so a lot of the times people don't at least from my experience and also from people i've talked to therapists and the like people don't usually want your input on something if they failed in Mm -hmm. their region they don't usually want input they more want to know one that you're there and two that you do care they want to know that they can talk to you most time at least my experience again do people talk to they want they don't want your input because a lot of times that isn't helpful because a lot of times they already know that. So putting it in a lot of times can just make you seem all sarcastic or like an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, giving input without giving input, being there for them, being again, present and listening. Yeah. That's really well put. Not really, but. (laughs) It is. (laughs) Let's continue. (laughs) Because I, I mean, my mom is, has been, pursuing self-betterment for like several years now and every time she learns something new within a relationship she has or um, some sort of class she takes online she always shares it with me and I've noticed over time too that the best way to support someone within a failure or just in general really in during a hard time is to to demonstrate that you're there for them not not to remind them of their faults or mistakes so that that was very well put Ben. another way you can help someone during a failure that they are going through is i believe ben already mentioned this but um mindfully listening so don't be the the judge that is taking things in and placing judgments on it Um, mindfulness is all about noticing and acknowledging but refraining from judging on certain things so 
if you were if you're to listen to someone who's having problems mindfully you're assisting them in processing by asking them questions to help them process so when this happened how did you feel in that moment or when this happened what was the initial reaction and then what was the long-term reaction like there's there's lots of ways in which you can be a supporting person. And I think that ties a lot into knowing the difference between compassion, sympathy, and empathy, because those three are really, really misconstrued. I remember earlier this year when I began this capstone project, my very awesome teacher, Mrs. DeYoung, told us about procrastination. And I will never forget what she said. She said, motivation is bold Bleep. because motivation is driven by self-control. And if you are able to have good self-control, then you don't need to wait for motivation to occur to where you can suddenly work on something. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. She said something very similar to my class. I've, I've carried that a lot with me in the past six months because... Previously, with my schoolwork, I had run in that specific way where I waited the right moment to begin working on something when really all I needed to do was just kind of stop overthinking it and just do it, you know? Just yeah. do it. A loaded statement, honestly. It's a fantastically old meme. Shia LaBeouf. So listeners, we have a few mindful challenges here for you all to try out on your own time. Like I've said in previous episodes, I want to do this after every episode to make sure all of you are engaged and retaining the actual information that we're talking about. So as a reminder, we all procrastinate to avoid discomfort or, you know, one of the reasons can be discomfort, but most of the time we procrastinate to avoid the discomfort of doing that thing. So I challenge you to find the source of that discomfort, meaning what about doing that task is uncomfortable for you? Is it a fear of failure? Is it a feeling you might get that you assume you might get from doing that task? If so, I challenge you to just identify it because the more you pay attention, the more likely you are to, in the long run, eliminate it. Identify the cost of your procrastination. So if you wait to do a research paper that two months to work on, if you wait until the week before it is, it is due, is it worth it? Is it worth it really? I challenge you to identify the long-term cost and the short-term cost. I think I want to re-say that because there's pros and cons. So... I can actually add to that. So when it comes to asking whether pressed, whether your procrastination is worth it or not, it comes down to short-term pleasure and long-term pleasure. Mm -hmm. Is that something going to provide you with a long-term benefit? So let's say watching a YouTube video instead of writing your paper or doing research for your paper. Mm -hmm. The paper overall, if you do that, does have long-term benefits. Long-term benefits may mean you actually being able to graduate on time, getting a good grade, or in some cases, going on to pursue that topic more so. Mm -hmm. So if it's on environmentalism, you really, get into, really want to get into environmentalism, doing that project well may spark your interest in that or may spark the interest of someone else to get into that. Mm -hmm. 
the short-term gains of watching that YouTube video is you're entertained for what, 10 minutes? Yeah. It, this, the question is asking which one is more worth it. Now, as you may not, you may not know this listener and you also may not know this, Michaela, there are, there's something called loss aversion within humans. We are mm-hmm. averse to losing something. Procrastination allows us to gain something without losing, without losing something. Mm-hmm. We're averse to losing. So if you ask someone, would you rather have $10 or would you rather have $100 in five years? They're going to take the $10 because, because right now, if they take the hundred, they're losing that $10. They aren't actually, but they feel as though they are. Mm, That's interesting. So when you're looking at it from watching a YouTube video or doing the paper, if you do not watch the YouTube video, actually do the paper, a lot of people may see it as you're losing that time to watch the video or whatever. You're losing something. Mm. But it also obviously is different for everyone. And I didn't say that the best I could have, but you get the point. No, I do. That was also really well put. And adding to that, for example, going on YouTube is a really common thing I'm seeing for people who like to procrastinate. If Call me out. If it's too much, say, if your procrastination is really severe, I encourage you to disconnect. So- Turn off your phone, shut your door, you know, put yourself in an environment where there's no distractions except for the thing you're doing. And that also ties into questioning yourself. Also, this is a tip. Question if your environment, the environment you're learning in or you're working in or whatever this place in which you're procrastinating, whether this environment is engaging for you and if it's a safe space. And if it is, that's awesome. Maybe you could find a visually engaging thing to put in your room that that encourages inspiration or like productivity. Or if not, think about what you can do to this environment to make it more engaging. I definitely found that decluttering is really, really helpful in eliminating distractions and feeling like you you're caught up with things that you have in your life. So I don't, I can't really tell if that was three tips or four. Both. Yes. Three and a half, maybe. But I would like to end with a quote from by wellness coach Padma Coram. If you suffer a major setback, it's important to really honor the emotions you're experiencing. Whether that's pain, sadness, or anger, make sure you feel it. Be aware and accepting of it. You can't avoid the grieving process. And that is very mindfully put so i had to put that in (laughs) to be mindful of how you're feeling when you are experiencing a setback and when you're experiencing a failure so you can take those emotions with you to the future as in when i forgot to put my car in park that one time i remembered the extreme feeling of panic and embarrassment and now i know (laughs) Now you've learned. <laughs> now I've learned from it. You know, if you forget how you feel in those types of moments, it is much more difficult to grow from them. So, Ben, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for uh, having me. I really enjoyed hearing your insights. As a last quote, or at least my last quote, stay safe and stay positive. Yeah. Not in COVID, just positive <laughs> mentally. <laughs> okay, yes. COVID. I hope you all enjoyed what we talked about today and please 
treat yourself with kindness.